I'm thriving now more than I ever have in my entire life. And I, I have overcome issues that doctors told me I wouldn't live past 30 years old. And I mean, I've got my colon. I never had to take out my colon. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a new person in so many ways. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, Enjoy the You Cured What conversation. Before we start in with this podcast of healing, I want to plug another project I've been working on, a website of healing, disease-reversals.com. Disease-reversals.com is an online grassroots catalog of healing. It catalogs disease reversal stories posted online across the web, across the world. It categorizes them by disease and by diet used. There are already hundreds of disease reversals cataloged at disease-reversals.com. This website is for anyone asking, can my condition, say, type 2 diabetes, be improved with diet? Check out disease-reversals.com and see what has been happening in the real world. Oh, heal yeah diseasereversals.com. My guest today has dealt with health issues for most of her life. These include mood disorders, structural problems, and over 10 autoimmune conditions. In spite of all of those challenges, she has now found healing. Now, she uses the wisdom and passion that she's gained from her experience to work as a health coach to help others Heal. Welcome to the You Cured What podcast, Rebecca Farmer. How are you doing today, Rebecca? I am fantastic. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm really, really excited and honored to be here. Um, I just recently discovered your podcast, and I was just so thrilled that you would have me on here. I love all of your content as well, so I'm just really grateful. Well, thanks, Rebecca. I really uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you were on my uh, guest wish list for, for quite a while. So it's really cool that, uh, that you're able to come on. Um, would you be able, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro there that you know, you've dealt with a lot. Um, would you be able to just give a little bit of background as far as uh, where you're coming from health-wise? Yes. So I am an overcomer of over 10 autoimmune diseases. And I usually just say 10 because it's around 10 that people have heard of or that are familiar with. But truly, if you were to look at all my actual diagnoses, it would, it would go over 20. Um, these are really severe conditions also. Um, also chronic Lyme disease severe mood disorders like narcolepsy, insomnia, ADHD, um, severe anxiety and depression, 
and a chronic C. diff infection, which almost took my life. Um, so I have really come through a lot. Wow. Um, that, that, is, that is a lot. And if I'm not mistaken, this started um, in childhood or in your teen years. Is that right? That's right. So I was diagnosed with osteoporosis in sixth grade. And um, so malnutrition has been an issue since a very young age. And they didn't say why. I don't know why. Um, I always had a pretty weak immune system growing up. Um, Lots of antibiotics, you know, just going to the doctor almost on a semi-regular basis. Um, and I didn't feel well, but I just thought that it was normal to not feel great. <laughs> um, and the issues continued to get worse and worse with time. Um, I didn't really say much about it for a long time because medical and health issues run in my family. Um, I have an older sister with grand mal seizures, epilepsy. And uh, my father has rheumatoid arthritis and his own issues. So I was, I'm the youngest and I just grew up thinking, okay, I'm going to be the healthy one. I'm going to be a soldier and look out for everyone else. And, um, you know, living with someone with epilepsy and um, witnessing that on a regular basis, it's kind of like, there's nothing that I could go through that could even compare to that, you know? And so I just never thought that my problems were even worth mentioning for a very long time. Right. So, um, yeah, you've got this this family history, um, arthritis, epilepsy in the family, and it kind of um, maybe it makes you gloss over um, your own health issues. What? Um, how did your health progress after that? diagnosis in sixth grade with uh, osteoporosis? So the next time that I was diagnosed with something severe was actually, well, in seventh grade, I, I was really struggling mentally. And I was diagnosed with anxiety, insomnia, narcolepsy, ADHD, depression. So that's when I was put on Adderall, clonazepam, and Ambien. And at the time, um, those doctors told me it's not, none of them are addictive and you can take all of them long-term, which is uh, outrageous Uh, because yeah, yeah. Benzopidines, you shouldn't take those for more than 30 days. Um, And I did, I took those for over 13 years. And I think that they did play a large role um, eventually in the total crash of my central nervous system. But that's what happened in seventh grade. And, um, and I also shortly after that, I was on a walk and I felt like I was having a heart attack. So my parents took me to the emergency room and I was diagnosed with coxochondritis, which is inflammation of the chest tissue and degenerative disc, um, which everyone actually has degenerative disc. It's just when the the fluid in between your um, your vertebrae, you know, thinning. Um, but mine was pretty severe, and I have some a, a herniated disc, um, and I don't know where that would have come from. 
And then they also said, oh, you have anxiety for the most part, you know, and they sent me home with more um, dangerous medicine to take. And then I started seeing a chiropractor because I was running into severe pain. I found out that I had osteo, um, still had osteoporosis, but also uh, scoliosis. So the chiropractor did help with some of that pain that I was feeling. Um, and I continued to take the medications. And then in 2017, I just fell apart. I crashed. Um, I was in real estate. I was engaged and just running, just running on empty pretty much all the time. I, for a long time, you know, I took this Adderall and it was, it destroyed my appetite. I wasn't properly nourishing myself. Um, but I was never eating crap. Just, you know, just so the listeners understand, I've never eaten the standard American diet. Um, but diet. Sorry. What, um, what foods were you eating? What was your diet like at the time? So my mom brought us up low sugar. We can never have pop and, you know, she never gave us fruit roll-ups in our, in our lunch or anything like that. Um, so when I was a kid, I, I ate what my mom gave me, which was fairly healthy food. Um, peanut butter sandwiches, no jelly because jelly is too much sugar, you know? Um, and when I was growing up and in my low, you know, young twenties, um, I was more paleo and I actually did keto for, I've done keto for over 15 years. I have a relative who is, um, really, really understands the ketogenic diet. She's written a book and I learned a lot from her and I just liked it. So I've done that for a long time. Um, so yeah, I've, I've never eaten really junk food except for a, a phase when I just kind of gave up um, and I was living on Skinny Pop and, and <laughs> coconut milk ice cream because I was working at Whole Foods and it was what I wanted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't eating poorly. And in 2017, it just, I fell apart. And by that, I mean, I was having severe anxiety attacks to the point of suffocation. Um, my arms would be clenched to my sides. I couldn't even open my fists. I couldn't breathe. Um, and I just said it was anxiety and it was so scary. Um, so I, I couldn't handle anything. I, my job was very, very forgiving and, and helpful. Um, they let me work from home. But I had to call off the engagement because I was falling apart and, you know, he didn't know how to handle it. And it was like, this isn't, you know, there were other reasons, definitely other reasons, but it was not the time for me to be planning a wedding and in a future with someone. It's like, I, I can't even get out of bed. I can't breathe. Um, so I truly was bed bound. And so I started seeing, well, I actually reached out to my relative who shall remain unnamed um, for her request, but she told me, you've got to get off of these medications. And she convinced me and I was like, all right. Um, so she helped me do a a stricter version of the ketogenic diet. And I did wean off of all of my, um, 
all my pills, the Adderall, the clonazepam, and the Ambien. That was really hard. Um, but what, even after, go ahead. What was the um, withdrawal like, um, you know, trying to uh, come off of those medications? It was really rough. Uh, I continued to have anxiety attacks. The hardest one to get off of was the clonazepam, to be honest. Um, even, you know, and I don't even know how much of it was all in my head, uh, placebo, but that stuff is strong. And, and what, is, what is clonazepam uh, for? It's for, it was for the anxiety. Okay. Um, it's just, it pretty much just puts a damper on your entire central nervous system and it destroys your gut. Um, and it's just a very, very addictive narcotic. And I know so many people, I'm sorry, benzopidine. I know so many people and clients who come to me and they're like, I, I got off clonazepam years ago, but I'm still dealing with the side effects. It's bad. Um, that was the hardest one. Even when I was down to, you know, like a, an eighth of one of these pills, I couldn't, you know, it's like I needed that eighth. It was, it was hard. So I got off of those and I was still having major, major issues. The biggest issue was just severe fatigue, chronic fatigue. And so I continued to see functional medicine doctors instead of these traditional doctors because I didn't trust them anymore. Um, and then I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease. And that was really scary because that's, you know, there's a big stigma around chronic Lyme disease and Lyme disease. And the more that I heard, the more hopeless I felt. And, um, well, don't yeah. you, I, I feel like I've heard, I've had a couple of guests talk about Lyme and aren't many doctors almost skeptical of, um, of that diagnosis and kind of um, yes. give negative feedback just for suggesting that it might be Lyme disease? Yes. Yep. I mean, there are, there are so many different tests for it and, and then you can test for co-infections and um, I mean, the test in itself just made me so uncomfortable because they're like, Oh, well you can have false positives and this and that, and just running in circles and then running all these other tests. Like, um, you know, I've got the Epstein bar, I've got the natural killer cell, um, like way off the charts. My antibodies everywhere were just really bad. And just seeing all these labs for the first time, it was, it was really scary. Um, I didn't even know they existed to be tested, you know? <laughs> When you go to the traditional medicine doctor, it's like, okay, we've got cortisol, we've got my sex hormones, we've got my blood sugar, and that's, that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> oh, and cholesterol. Right. But there's so much more. Um, so, yeah, the Lyme, the Lyme doctors, I did not have peace about that at all. And um, I actually did do some of their treatments, like the IV therapy. and um, I did the testing for the supplements and it was just so expensive and it's out of pocket. And they're telling me, you know, yeah, you're going to have to do this long term. It's like, you've got to be kidding. Um, so I just, 
I, I was not happy about it, but I had peace about walking away from those doctors because I knew that was not a solution. My family is not going to dish out all this money. I was paying for myself to see these doctors. It was coming out, you know, 2017, I'm an adult. I moved back in with my parents. Um, They very graciously allowed me to live with them, but it was up to me to figure things out. And at this point I was prohibited to work because I was so medically unstable and I had to figure something out. But again, walking away from those doctors, I was, I was very convicted um, because it's just not sustainable to pay thousands of dollars per week to just get by. You know, um, were were these? Um, well, I've got two questions. One, what was your age um, as this was happening in 2017? Um, let's see, 20. I'm 28 now, so I was 25. 25. Okay, so you're 25 years old. And are these um, are these functional medicine doctors? Are they? Um, I guess you're more, or are they uh, more traditional Western medicine doctors? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how to specify them. I mean, they weren't like total bonkers. They were, (laughs) they had their own, they were well known. Um, definitely well known. And the Lyme literate doctor that I saw, he was like the number one doctor in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to see these like woo-woo people with like two patients you know yeah yeah um and i also was seeing the top rheumatologists at duke in north carolina i mean it took me an an entire year to get in to see them um and that actually leads me to the next part of my story is when i failed with all the lyme doctors well actually what was your second question um i think it was just yeah that was it that was it okay So after the Lyme doctors, I finally got in to see those rheumatologists and I was diagnosed with central sensitization syndrome, which is essentially, um, it's dysregulation of your central nervous system. And it encompasses all of these different diagnoses like ADHD and severe fatigue and, um, Raynaud syndrome and, temperature changes and peripheral neuropathy. And they pretty much said, um, people like you shouldn't be put into a box. You shouldn't be labeled because it's your central nervous system. So they said, you're pretty much screwed. (laughs) And, um, they did encourage me to continue going the holistic route and working with functional medicine doctors, because I told them, look, I got off of all these medications. I think that plays a large role into all of this. And I didn't want to be put on drugs. I, I can't take the meds that they would want to give me. I'm, I'm a zombie. You know, I would rather be suffocating in bed than be a zombie to be completely honest. Um, so that's, I was diagnosed with that. And I will mention, um, even before I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, I did go in to see gastroenterologists. Um, I had never actually been to one, and I found out that I had a whole bunch of digestive issues. I had slow transit colon, um, so I had to swallow something, and then they would 
watch it, um, you know, go through my system. And I was there all day. They were like, you might have to stay overnight. (laughs) Essentially nothing was moving. And, um, and I was diagnosed with diverticulitis, gastroparesis, IBS, IBD, um, true celiac disease. So that was that. Um, and I ended up in New York city. Um, I worked with another Lyme doctor who just did ozone therapy, which is essentially just, um, injecting ozone into your blood. Um, it was really cool. And this doctor actually, um, he really hooked me up because that's not something that I could have afforded, but he said, you'll need it for at least eight months. And I couldn't live in New York city for eight months. So I stayed there for a month. Um, I also got PRP while I was there. Um, and that was really cool, but these things did not make enough of a difference. Uh, sure. What, I felt, what is PRP? Uh, platelet rich plasma. Okay. So it's, it's really, really cool. I mean, really awesome. But even that doctor, um, she's, she's so sweet. Her name is Larissa Lickfer. If anyone's listening, she is phenomenal. Just an awesome human being. Um, but she just, you know, she respected me and she, she really told me, I don't know if this is for you, you know? Um, and I just appreciate that when a doctor can straight up tell you, you you need something else. (laughs) Yeah. That's admirable. That's honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, things continue to just go so downstream. And so I started to get my energy back after doing a very strict ketogenic diet for a very long time. And I was at least not bed bound anymore. And this was huge. Um, but then I started to drop severe amounts of weight and everyone's saying, well, you're on the ketogenic diet. What do you expect? That's a weight loss diet. And I just continued to say, no, you know, I do this for autoimmune issues. And I was at one point eating 6,000 calories per day and still losing weight. And, um, this went on for a long time, like a year minimum where I continued to be misdiagnosed with an eating disorder and um, my energy got better and better, but it was like, gee, I really am losing a lot of weight. I was wearing, you know, I had to buy jeans from Goodwill in the children's section and they were bagging on me. Um, And I just, I didn't, I didn't know what to think of it. I just kept being misdiagnosed with an eating disorder. And, um, so I finally was diagnosed with chronic C. diff, which C. diff is something that people can pick up, um, from being treated in hospitals or from children, from small children. But essentially it's when a bad bacteria takes over your entire gut and it takes over all of the good bacteria in your gut. And that's what I had. Um, So it was actually a relief because it's like, okay, well, here you go. I don't have an eating disorder. Um, And how, how low did your weight get? Um, 
as you were uh, going through this? My lowest recorded weight was 68 pounds. And that was actually just June of last year. I'm 5'6 for reference. But I'm sure that I got down below that. I just never weighed myself. We'd, I didn't have a scale at my parents' house that I used. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very tiny. Wow. 68, 5'6 and 68 pounds. And maybe you might have actually gotten lower. It just was never measured. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to no, uh, I'm glad. Give, that to, uh, give that context to the listener. Yeah. And it just flew off of me. I mean, and despite you said, you know, you said there were times where you were eating 6,000 calories a day. That's three yeah. times what, you know, we think of the, oh, you know, eat 2,000 calories a day. Like that's kind of the, um, you know, that's what a lot of the uh, um, food packaging says is like, the standard, you know, so you're right. three of that per day. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, that's when I came up with my dairy free keto ice cream recipe. <laughs> Cause I was like, I need something that's really easy to eat a lot of. Um, <laughs> and I did, I was living on that and coconut butter. And, but I will say I did not eat a lot of meat. Um, I just ate a lot of the keto treats and the keto foods. Um, so yeah. And so when I was diagnosed with that, I, I went through, I had to go through all of the antibiotics before I was approved for a fecal transplant. So I went through 13 rounds of antibiotics and that alone was like, I mean, you can consider that just like the, a dark night of my soul. <laughs> it was a long time of feeling even worse. And I, I actually did not take all of them. I just told them that I did because I would have died if I took all of them. Wow. 13 rounds? 13 rounds in a row. Um, and then I was finally approved for a fecal transplant. And I did that and I still had the C. diff. So I had a second fecal transplant and it went away. And then I tested again a month later with my doctor and it was back. So and what, um, what had, is involved with, um, with a fecal transplant? Yeah. So fecal transplant is exactly what it sounds like. It's literally um, putting someone else's fecal matter into your own body. Um, and so it was, I would have to fast for a day for a couple of days and take their, um, you know, basically the procedure of a colon prep because that's what they had to do. Um, and then that was it. And then they send you home. Um, but they kind of have to let you sit in the bed on your side for a while to keep that fecal matter in you. They, they don't want you to lose it because it's supposed to reestablish the gut. Um, so, yeah. So is the idea that it brings in kind of beneficial bacteria and beneficial Correct. properties? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they take the idea is that you're getting all of the C. diff out by going through the colonoscopy um, and you're flushing it all out and then you immediately reestablish some good bacteria. And it was really interesting because, um, you know, they say our gut is our, uh, a second mind. 
um, our second brain. And it really is true. After each one of those transplants, I felt a difference in my personality. It was kind of creepy. Wow. That, um, that is, uh, that's kind of I, incredible. I can't, I, ex- I mean, I, I can't describe it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a subtle thing, but it was, it was different, very different. Um, so yeah, that's the idea, but it came back. So I got a third one and I still had it. And that's when they told me it has seeded into my gut, which essentially means it's just, it's permanent. Um, and that was heartbreaking because I kept losing weight. And so now we're up to last year. Um, I relocated to Illinois because I, I met someone on eHarmony and that didn't work out. Um, but I actually, I'll say it was really bad. Um, he was a narcissist and he was actually abusing me and I was going through all of this. So I took myself to the emergency room. I was like, I have got to find a way to refeed. Refeeding is a complicated process. It really is. My electrolytes were constantly all over the place. um, And I would need to go to the ER just to get my electrolytes back. Um, So I was in three emergency rooms back to back. And in the third one, they told me, we're going to have to remove your colon and hook you up to a feeding tube. And that's when I decided I've got to do this carnivore diet. Um, I had heard about it for at least a year. No, I heard about it in um, like 2018 from Danny Vega. He's the one that planted the seed and I trust him. I really trust everything that he says. And um, he, he said, you know, some of the plants and stuff can cause autoimmune issues and, I was like, how significant can this really be, you know? But then I continued to hear things about it. And even when I was convinced, you know, okay, this there is something to this. This does make sense. I was too stubborn because I was addicted to my keto treats. And I was comfortable with that. I'm, uh, you know, I'm good at cooking and baking. And I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> And I really, truly do believe that that was God twisting my arm and saying, this is not, this is not for you. Because the fact of the matter is I was addicted to those keto foods. I was thinking about food all the time. What, what were some of the uh, keto foods? You know, some of our listeners are probably uh, familiar with ketogenic diets, um, you know, low carbohydrate, high fat diets, but some may not be quite as familiar, um, you know, during this phase, um, where you, you saw some improvement, but also, you know, you mentioned you're still addicted to some of these treats. Um, what are some of the foods that you were, um, eating a lot of and, uh, what are some of the treats you were, um, feeling addicted to? The fat bombs, coconut butter. I'll never touch that stuff again. (laughs) I mean, I had a, I had a jar of it hidden in my bedroom closet. And I will say that when, you know, when I was eating at such a surplus because I kept losing weight, it manifested into a binge eating disorder. 
and it was with the keto foods. So it's not even necessarily keto. I think it's fantastic for so many people, but for the way that my life worked out, it was bad. So it was a lot of coconut butter, fat bombs, um, flourless chocolate cakes, um, you know, whipped coconut cream with toasted coconut on top. And I was eating whole food. I really was. I wasn't doing much of the the packaged keto products or anything like that. I was driving my mother crazy because I was always in the kitchen and eating like crazy. Like they literally had to say, okay, you have to be done by this time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, What else was I making? The granola, homemade granola, um, lemon curd, which I will still make. Um, Stuff like that. Okay. Okay. And so were those some of the staple foods of, of your ketogenic diet at the time? Yeah. For a long time, I ate, I ate the same thing for a long time, which was um, baby spinach, cucumber, avocado, salad, and I would have sardines with that and a poached egg. Um, for breakfast, I would make a shake with avocado and egg. Um, some cocoa powder, chia seeds, hemp seeds, and then dinner would be um, just a little bit of meat and maybe another salad, and then a bunch of these treats, you know, the ice cream and the and the fat bombs. Um, and so the but the amount of meat that I was that I was eating is it was so such a tiny amount, and the reason is um, one, meat is expensive, and I was like, I can't afford you know, even my doctors right now. Um, but also because my blood sugar would spike if I ate more than 15 grams of protein in one sitting and it would spike to like 130, like really bad. Um, and I was also diagnosed with prediabetes. Um, so I, I stayed very low protein and I was doing like a four to one fat to protein ratio. And again, it did help with, I mean, I was chronic fatigue, like real, really bad. I was diagnosed with non-epileptic seizures. Um, so it did help, you know, my, my cognition and my energy, but I was not getting enough protein. Um, so yeah, dinner would be just some other type of meat, but never any more than three ounces per sitting. And I wasn't eating like eight times per day. So it was not enough. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So in the, in the hospital, that's when I decided I've got to do this all meat thing. And I, I asked the dietitian if I could speak with her privately. And um, I'll back up a little bit. This hospital staff, each staff, they were trying to get me into their eating disorder program um, because that's, you know, I needed professionals who could help with the refeeding process. And um, I've already been misdiagnosed and mistreated for an eating disorder in the hospital before. And after all of that trauma, I was now just last year in three emergency rooms saying, can you treat me? But, you know, I can't do grains. I can't do sugar. And they said, no, you can't pick and choose. Um, you know, and they're like, it's all in your head. That's what they tell you. 
in the hospitals, you know, gluten, even gluten. Um, They say no one is really sensitive to gluten. It's all in your head. That's, that's what they told me when I was treated for an eating disorder. Um, Wow. That is so frustrating because I know, I mean, you know, I, I don't have the lived in experience with it that you do, but you know, from lots of very reputable sources, I've heard that not only is celiac very, very real, but even even non-celiac gluten sensitivity is a very common problem. You know, from I think it's Rob Wolf's work that um, that I'm thinking of the most, where he pretty much says basically anyone could benefit from trying to cut gluten out. Like even even if you don't have an official diagnosis. So to then hear that medical professionals yeah. are discouraging it almost as if it's a mental all in your head disorder. Oh, exactly. That's exactly what they told you. Oh. I mean, yeah, I could talk about that being treated and I, I just kind of skipped over that, but I mentioned that I was mistreated and misdiagnosed with eating disorders. Um, I, I ended up in the emergency room to check in for the multi-specialist unit. That's what my functional medicine doctor sent me. She's like, I don't, I don't know how to treat you. So I want you to go to UNC Chapel Hill and work with this doctor in the multi-specialist unit. And I was like, okay. So she said to check in at the, at the urgent care and at the front desk, when they ask you, are you having any thoughts of harming yourself? Um, I, used a very playful choice of words. And I said, well, yes and no, because I have autoimmune disease and my body is attacking itself. Um, So they didn't think that was funny at all. And they sent me to the psych ward. I sat in a rubber room for an entire day. Then they moved me to the crisis center. Then they moved me to the trauma center. And then I ended up in the eating disorder unit only to find out that a nurse in the trauma center petitioned to have me sent to the eating disorder unit. So she held me there, um, very deceptive. And she, she didn't like that I was eating a ketogenic diet. And I, I told everyone that I ate the keto diet because it was the only thing that gave me hope for my autoimmune issues. So I was very proud of it and open, you know, And so she saw I was underweight and doing the keto diet and she decided this girl has an eating disorder and she took over. Um, and they told my parents, you know, you can't trust anything your daughter is saying. She's got an eating disorder. My family is freaking out. Like, you know, obviously they want what's best for me. So at the time they were like, you, you can't come home. Um, you have to stay. And I, I felt, I've never felt more misunderstood or lost. And, um, that's really when my faith in God pulled through because I, I was in such a dark place and the way that they treat people in there is so backwards. They feed you the standard diabetic diet and I was eating six to eight times per day. Um, my first meal was saltine crackers and an orange. Um, and I mean, the, there was no fat in the diet. I was starving, starving, and all of my autoimmune issues were three times worse when I got out of there. I didn't use the bathroom once in an entire month. 
Wow. Except for when they gave me a bottle of mag citrate like the week before I left. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, that in itself was just very traumatizing. But so that's why it's so ironic that just last year I was back to those same type of people saying, just treat me for an eating disorder because I couldn't eat without involuntarily throwing up. And I was losing so much weight and I couldn't hold on to electrolytes. Um, but they couldn't treat me because I had the C. diff infection. So I needed to be held in isolation. Um, and I'm really grateful because that would not have been the answer for me. So anyways, back to where I was, I asked to speak with the dietitian privately and I told her, I want you to let me eat only meat. <laughs> and I explained everything. I told her, look, I, I do keto for a reason. You've got to believe me, but I've heard about the carnivore diet and I think that I can do this. Um, cause they were just sending up, you know, these insured drinks and 80% carbohydrates and just crap. And I wasn't eating it. Um, but I really wanted to make some type of progress because I had to get out of there and I wanted to be monitored too. So, <clears throat> so she agreed to it and I got in touch with the kitchen staff, the chef in the kitchen. And, um, I was making phone calls all day and they were sending up three servings of, you know, three entrees of meat per meal and all of the hard boiled eggs, handfuls of butter. And I was stashing this stuff. I was hiding it from the doctor. Um, <laughs> and I, I gained four pounds in the emergency room and I stopped throwing up involuntarily. My blood sugar stabilized. So I was there for another week doing that. And the dietitian finally told the doctor and it came to the point where she said, look, you are so stable. We can't keep you here anymore. And we don't know what to tell insurance. And I went home and I never looked back. And I'm so, so grateful because it made me so much more resilient um, with what I was going through with the relationship I mentioned. Um, my, it's like my brain turned on. And I was able to think for myself and um, filter out what was true and what was not and not let, you know, abusive verbal abuse get to me. Um, and I figured, figured my stuff out wow. by the grace of God. That's, that's incredible. Um, so you embarked, what, this was all still, was this in twenty? What year was this um, that, trip in? That was just last year. Just last year, 2019. Yep. Um, and that's when you embarked on a full-on carnivore diet, all-meat diet. Correct. Okay. So um, how long did it take for you to kind of stable out there, um, you know, when you were in the hospital? Did you say a little over a week? Yes. Yeah. Um, but even, even right away, the, so the first instance where I stopped eating any vegetables or anything and I only ate meat was when my blood sugar was below what they considered normal. It was like 60 something. And 
They were threatening to give me a glucagon shot. I hate those. Um, and I ate probably three pounds. I just sat there in that chair in the dark and I ate meat until my eyes popped out and my blood sugar finally rose and I didn't throw up or anything. And that was the first instance where, I mean, I just remember it so clearly because I hated those glucagon shots and I was like, I've got to get my blood sugar back up. Um, and it, it was different than when you have glucose, you know, if that spikes your sugar, I could have easily just had a piece of fruit and my blood sugar would have picked back up. I really could have, but I hate how it makes me feel. And I was vomiting. Um, so that was the ulcerative colitis that I was later diagnosed with that I was unaware of. Um, so that, that meat stabilized me. That was actually the first night that I requested it. And then I stayed there. Um, it, everything takes a long time when you're being held in the hospital. I mean, it, I didn't see the doctor every day. I was seeing all of these different specialists and everyone has to contact and be in communication with each other. So um, I think, you know, I really did stabilize almost immediately. I just stayed there for a week because to be 100% honest, I didn't want to go back to where I was living at the time. Wow. It was torture. Um, uh, so yeah. So once you were released, um, you know, what, what happened from there? Once you, uh, came home from the hospital, um, what, changes did you make and how did your health progress from there? I gave away, first thing I did was gave away all of my keto treats and my keto ice cream <laughs> <laughs> and I made one girl very happy and, um, and I just started eating meat and I decided, um, see, I had tried the carnivore diet multiple times before this instance but I failed each time and it's because I was doing it the way that most people will recommend is say, just eat beef, salt, and water for 30 days and nothing else. I couldn't do that. And I was miserable. I felt worse. So I just decided that's not for me. Um, so this time around I went home and I said, I'm going to throw all of that advice out the window. Um, you know, everything that everyone says in those, in the Facebook groups and you have to do this and you have to do that. I just had to throw it out the window and decide God is going to heal me. And my motive is all that matters. You know, I wanted to be strong and healthy. So that change of heart really was so helpful in turning on my thinking cap. You know, I was able to think, um, think about what works best for me as a bio individual human being. So I did allow dairy and um, liquid stevia because I wanted sweet things. I allowed spices um, because I also knew that I needed to eat at a surplus. And meat is just, it's extremely satiating. So I was still, um, you know, trying to make very hyper palatable things. And that did help me. And so it looked like ground beef with taco seasoning or carnivore cheesecake or um, I couldn't even eat steak for like six months because it was so filling. But yeah, just getting creative and um, 
not letting anyone tell me to do this or that. I just, I had to get in my own space and do my own thing. And that set me free. And my, my energy and my mood picked up within the first two weeks significantly, like, like felt better than I had felt in at least 10 years. And it just continued to progress, continued to. Now, I mean, that doesn't mean that I didn't have really bad days where I doubted it. And I said, should I really continue this? Is this really working? Um, Healing is not linear. It never is. But I would say that I had really good, a really good turnaround because I am thriving now more than I ever have in my entire life. And I, I have overcome issues that doctors told me I wouldn't live past 30 years old. And I mean, I've got my colon. I never had to take out my colon. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a new person in so many ways and I have food freedom. Um, so yeah. Wow. Wow. So, um, you know, you mentioned, a couple things there, um, you know, the, the straight beef, salt and water did not work for you. You were adding, um, you know, you were allowing dairy and that was beneficial. You were allowing uh, spices and sweeteners in order to, um, in order to make things more hyper palatable, um, which often we might think of as being a bad thing. Like, oh, you know, you're likely to overeat, but your um in your condition you were coming from an underweight um state and your body needed the nutrition it sounds like so you needed to be consuming more right of it. right so um you know so what were did you say ground beef that was one of your kind of staple foods um coming out of the hospital mm-hmm. yeah i was doing ground beef um, bone marrow. So I was coming from like a very high fat to protein ratio still. I still had the issue with protein spiking my blood sugar. Um, so I had a lot of fat in there and I had egg yolks. Um, those were the staples, ground beef, egg yolks, and bone marrow. Um, it was still a ton of fat. And at one point I actually decided to put away my glucometer because I, I didn't want to know if I was spiking my blood sugar. I knew that I had to eat more protein. And if I didn't force myself, I would be in a hospital and someone else would force me. <laughs> so I just did it and it worked out really well. Um, now I can eat 250 grams of protein without my blood sugar rising above 85, literally. Whoa, that is a lot of protein too. It is. And that's not something that I do regularly, but I did recently do a high protein experiment um, after I've done all of this healing. And I mean, it truly sheds light on insulin sensitivity and how far I've come in just a short period of time um, solely through lifestyle and nutrition. So. So do you, you know, do you have um, any specific part of uh, the carnivore diet that you've been on or, you know, or anything else that you've done that you like, when you think about the healing process that you've been through, do you have like a defining point or a, you know, a hunch of like 
why this worked so well for you or what part of it worked so well for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are multiple reasons. You know, number one, um, well, maybe not number one, but one of the reasons is because it is food freedom. I really liked the idea of eat anything in the animal kingdom. Um, even if that did mean that my blood sugar was going to be spiking, it gave me comfort in just saying, okay, I'm going to stick to this one thing. Because before I was doing the keto and it was like, I have to count my carbs. I have to pay attention to the fat to protein ratio. I have, you know, is this sweetener okay? It was too much. And I was obsessing about it. And I loved the idea of just eat from the animal kingdom. Don't eat plants. And that just food freedom was huge. Um, another reason that it's so powerful, I believe, is because I was cutting out the anti-nutrients in the plants, like oxalates. Um, I did try to reintroduce baby spinach two weeks after I started. And the next morning, my ankles were so swollen, I couldn't put them in my shoes. Wow. Um, and that's you when a, I... You had a very acute reaction yeah, and that's oxalates, totally. And I still have reactions not as severe, but now if I eat something that's very high in oxalates, I'll get like sand in my eyes, like very crusty eyes. Um, so it's real. It's it's totally real. And I thought that Sally Norton was bonkers. She's like the <laughs> oxalate expert. I thought she was a total nut job. Um, but she's she's very smart and she's helping a lot of people. So it's cutting out the anti-nutrients from plants, which were also triggering my ulcerative colitis big time, I think. Um, and it is stabilizing my blood sugar, even just cutting out the plant matter. I was doing low carb before, but um, I believe the carnivore diet is a much more natural balance of energy, you know, more similar to what our ancestors would have done. If you're just eating fatty meat, you naturally fall around a one-to-one -one fat to protein ratio, which is perfect. And, um, you know, even though I, I could use some supplemental fat, um, with autoimmune issues healing from those in the long run, I think a one-to-one -one fat to protein ratio is ideal. And it's, I was also fueling myself with the most bioavailable form of nutrients, um, I truly believe that the carnivore diet is more effective than being hooked up to a feeding tube. I really do. Meat is bioavailable. You can get every nutrient you need from meat, and it's so nutrient dense. So you're not filling up on these um, nutrient void things that also contain anti nutrients that bind to any of the other nutrients you're eating. Um, that was kind of a mouthful, but. No, that, that makes sense. It's, um, yeah. you know, not only are there, a, you know, high levels of many, uh, nutrients, vitamins, minerals in, um, you know, in the meat and, um, other products from animals, but yeah, as you mentioned, they're not effectively stealing the nutrients as they enter your bloodstream. Um, body is just able to absorb it very efficiently, effectively. And, you know, in your case and in um, in many, many, many other cases, both on this podcast and, you know, talked about all over um, online, yeah. it's very healing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, so what, um, you know, it sounds like things really, um, really improved from that point when you came home from the hospital in 2019, um, you know, until, until now we're sitting here talking at the end of September in 2020. Um, you know, are there, were there any like specific milestones or other, other changes that have, um, taken place, um, in between that time when you embarked on the carnivore diet and, um, you know, and where you're at now? I would say there are a lot of things and most of them are, have to do with me as a person, my mind and my heart and my spirit. Um, I really emphasize, learned to emphasize gratitude practice. Um, I started that when I was being held in the hospital that first time and I picked it back up last year and it, it brought me through the darkest nights and affirmations are so powerful. Um, and just, you know, having this glimpse of hope, it, it opens up the door to so many things. And it was just such a, a breath of fresh air and, um, it rekindled my relationship with God, um, in a very intimate way. And I, you know, my personality started blooming again and I was able to enjoy life without being in pain. And now I'm helping other people. And it's, you know, this is my dream job. I wanted to be a health coach before everything got so bad and I had to put it on hold. And it's so cool because God just wanted to bring me through something that would really allow me to help other people. Um, I have certifications, but the experience is why I can help so many people. It really is. And um, I have a lot more confidence. I don't feel, I never feel lonely. You know, I'm so happy. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm just so excited to get up. I get up at six on Saturdays just because it's like, <laughs> I'm up. Let's live this life thing. It's awesome. Um, and it's just totally opposite from anyone I have ever been. And I'm just excited. So that that's the major change is not, not being bound by all of these um, really, you know, serious mood disorders that truly are um, biochemical and, um, you know, damaged neurotransmitters and, and then also just the physical pain that I was dealing with and then the fear and anxiety. Just, it took root for so long and I'm, I'm totally, I'm fearless. I don't, I don't care what I go through. It's like I've already lived such a full life. <laughs> wow. Well, Rebecca, I um, I said pretty much the same thing to uh, Andrew Berger when he came on, but you are making my uh, my job here really tough because every every episode of the podcast, I always uh, try and pluck out a quote from somewhere in the content to like kick off the episode with, and you know I try and make it like a, a catchy like inspirational piece, and you just there have been so many of them over the last two minutes and throughout this whole interview, it's going to be really hard oh. to pick just one, uh, <laughs> one plug to uh, throw at the beginning. So, oh, well, I'm excited to see what you choose. <laughs> a, a lot of good options. A lot of good options. Um, <laughs> um, are there any, 
health conditions, you know, you've mentioned throughout this um, episode, and these will be in the show notes, um, the list of well over 20 um, diagnoses that you've had, very serious health conditions. Um, Are there any health conditions that you are still trying to work out that you're still um, struggling with? No, none. Zero. And it's not even just symptomatic. It's actually in my labs. My labs look textbook perfect. I mean, my, my testosterone is better than most guys that I know. <laughs> um, and all of the antibodies are normal. They're normal. And these, a lot of these things are things that supposedly are supposed to be permanent. I mean, the only thing is the C. diff. I still technically test positive for it, but I don't suffer from it at all. And, um, but like I had Hashimoto's hypothyroid that usually doesn't go away in your, in your blood work. And it's, it's all reversed. Addison's disease, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, uh, cystic acne, I believe was another one. Yeah. I, I had really severe skin problems for a long time. Um, when I was taking those medications. Wow. Um, I mean, this is phenomenal. So I, I'm, you know, with what you just said being the case, do you consider yourself cured of those conditions? Yes. Wow. Straightforward. And that, you know, it is, it's interesting. Everyone looks at that differently. Uh, some people, it really stray away from that, but I, yeah, I appreciate your directness with that. And it just seems like, um, I know it's inspiring to, you know, hear that list of just really horrible ailments, and to hear your um, your story. You've obviously lived many lifetimes in hospitals and in the uh, the Western medical system, and you've overcome it. That's, I mean, it's really uh, really incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Um. So I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody who who comes on the podcast. Now that you've improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? Hands down, weightlifting. I never, never thought that I would be at a squat rack, ever. (laughs) Um, But I have totally fallen in love with gaining muscle, probably because I was so deficient in it for so long. But I've always loved to exercise. I just wasn't able to do it for a long time. You know, I stuck to yoga if I could do that. But um, definitely lifting heavy and getting stronger. I love the feeling of being strong. And um, that's definitely a hobby of mine. That's my therapy. <laughs> that's amazing. Is, uh, is squat your favorite lift? Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe hip thrust too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Lower body. You're that, Oh yeah, like day is every day. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's uh that's awesome. Um you know, are there any resources that um you can recommend to listeners who um who want to know more about your approach? Yeah. Um so MeetRx is a really good platform. Um run by Sean Baker. He's really, he's awesome. And he's such a sweet guy. Um, 
Danny Vega, like I mentioned earlier, he's not always carnivore, but he's also, he's ketogenic. Um, and he, I, I really like his approach because he's very mindful about everything. Um, Robert Sykes, Keto Savage is another big one. Um, honestly, I wouldn't really recommend the groups on Facebook because sometimes it can just, it's a free for all, you know, you get all these comments and it can really be overwhelming. So I would just, um, stick to like Sean Baker, Kelly Hogan is another really cool, um, carnivore with a really cool transformation story. Um, but meet RX is like an encyclopedia of resources. So I would say that. And then, um, yeah, that entire community is awesome. I, I agree. I, um, I don't know all of the um, names you listed there, but the ones I do know, um, you know, Sean Baker, Kelly Hogan, I know they're, you know, they've got terrific um, content and just like you, they want to help people. Um, and speaking of, and you mentioned you're doing your dream job now. Um, can you just describe a little bit of uh, what you do for your dream job now and how people might um, find out more if they're, um, interested in that. Yeah. So I am a certified life and health coach. Um, I did the life coaching as well because I truly believe that they are intimately connected 100%. And I help people, um, overcome whatever they're dealing with and find an optimal way of eating that is not a diet in any way that it, um, supports their bodies that can support systemic healing. So that involves hormones, central nervous system, and the immune system, um, helping people become insulin sensitive and leptin sensitive, um, you know, food freedom. I help people with a lot of my clients have thyroid issues, uh, severe autoimmune disease. Some people just want to lose weight. Some people just want to optimize their diet and feel, you know, more energy or sleep better. And it's like, what am I missing? I'm good at that. I'm really good at, um, you know, the perspective that I have, I've tried so many things and I understand I have that intuition. And that's my goal is for people to, after we work together, develop the intuition and the understanding of their own bodies so that they never have to pay anyone ever again. And when things need to change along along the way, because what works now today is not going to be what works best in a couple of years. It's not. We are always changing. So I want to equip people with the understanding and the tools to make those informed decisions for themselves. Um, and then a lot of it is also the mental piece, you know, um, dealing with addiction or trauma. and. Um, I'm a, I'm a support system, so I, I offer unlimited coaching, which means I am essentially on call. Um, and I, you know, I, sometimes I wake up to 24-page texts, and I have a smile on my face when I read them. <laughs> this is my full-time job, and I love the people that I work with. Even if they drive me crazy, I understand what it's like to be going crazy, and I'm excited to help. Um, I work with a lot of people who are so sick that they can't work. and I, I defer payment for that reason so that I don't think anyone should have to put their health on hold. 
um, I'm really just eager to help. And I, I can help with a lot of different things. Um, maybe someday bodybuilding. <laughs> wow. But I'm not sure if I'm the best person for that. You might go to Danny Vega for that. <laughs> All right. Well, it, yeah, it's good that you can uh, refer people out too. Yeah, yeah. No, and so um, where can where can people find uh, your your health coaching information and um, and do you have any social media that people can reach out to you at? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram, and that's. It's Tailored Keto Health. Um, my name is not Taylor. <laughs> um, and I have a link in my bio, which links to everything else, like my website, my Facebook, YouTube. I'm not on YouTube a lot, so don't be disappointed. I'm just going to tell you right now. They're old videos. Um, but yeah, Instagram is probably the number one thing. And you can email me from there or message me. I will always respond. Well, that's um, that's amazing, and we'll have links to all of this in the show notes. The show notes will be available at youcuredwhat.com slash podcast slash Rebecca, and Rebecca is R-E-B-E-K-A-H. So if anyone, um, you know, wants to see all of, uh, you know, see show notes for this episode and see, you know, all of these resources um, laid out, they'll be available right there in the show notes. Um, you know, I, I think it's amazing what you're, um, what you're doing. And, you know, it just seems like you've been empowered and are, um, very admirably taking charge of your life to kind of live out your, your dream life. Um, and I, I really appreciate how you're helping others with this. Um, before we close, is there, is there any, anything else, any other message that, um, you want to communicate out to anyone, um, anyone listening, anyone who uh, may be struggling with some of the um, some of the issues that you've struggled with. Um, I would definitely say that you're not alone, and as as painful and as dark as it is, there is light at the other end of the tunnel, and there is no diagnosis that is chronic. I've been diagnosed with so many chronic diagnoses and all of them are like they never were there um you know doctors are still learning and god can do greater things than what we can ever imagine um so i would just say don't give up and reach out for help that's a really wonderful message um rebecca thank you so much for coming on today and uh, for being so generous with your time and with your message. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another Story of Healing.